Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode number 409 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage we educate and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearmsauctions.com, where you set the price on guns, ammo, and accessories. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm the other guy, Dan Todd. Our theme today is, is Save Lives Faster, and our guest is Rob Morris. Rob is a host of the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast and co-host of the Polite Society podcast. His blog is Slowfax Blog, and his articles appear at OpsLens and Clash Daily. Welcome to the show, Rob. Welcome back to the show. It's been too long. It's nice to see you both. Thank you. Absolutely. So we've just spent quite a bit of time together this past weekend, which was uh, a pleasure for me because I really wasn't doing the hard work that you and your wife were doing. Uh, the two of you were amazing to come out and take part in the Faster Saves Lives program. And I just kind of want you to unpack that for our listeners from your perspective. I've talked about it several times on the show. I've taken the training. Um, I don't need certification. I'm not an educator. You didn't really need the certification. You're not an educator, but yet you took the time to do it. And I want to, I want your takeaways. Right. This is my fourth faster class. Thank you. And on a personal note, before we jump into the, the series, you let my wife see what happens when I go away and uh, spend a bunch of ammo. And she goes, no, you're not goofing off in the desert with the guys. This is serious. So is serious. Yeah. my marriage and my heart, thank you very much for that. <laughs> um, wow. Why do I? I am there not as a, as you say, either a, a security guard in church or as an educator. I'm there as a journalist, but we, let's let's describe what faster is first, if we can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, please. It it trains trains volunteer school staff to be emergency first responders. They want to stop a threat in the school, treat the injured until the EMTs and police get there. Because if you remember, we, we learned this, this is not a um, something, a, a good idea. This is just some, this is also something that has test, been tested over and over. We looked at mass murderers who attacked our schools. And in some cases, it took hours before the police said it's secure and EMTs can go treat the injured. And we're saying, we can't wait. That kid who was wounded and now is, is left untreated for hours, that can't stand. Um, they also train, uh, as I may have mentioned, uh, church security teams. So what did this do? This took people who are already familiar with firearms and they said, you're right. You're good enough. You can defend your people at home. 
But before you can stand up in front of your congregation and before the pastor has faith in you, before the superintendent of schools may have faith in you, let's make sure that you're qualified. And in Arizona, those qualifications come in two possibly different ways. One was to be qualified to the same standards that law enforcement uses. Way above what you need for your concealed carry permit. You don't Mm -hmm. even need a permit in Arizona. And the other is, can you qualify as one of the instructors that would teach law enforcement? So these are some pretty tall hurdles to jump. Absolutely. It is impeccably good and challenging training. Right. And he mentioned, you know, at the start, you mentioned training for teachers in schools and training for churches, but really it's training for everybody because it's like, if I get in a situation, I'm sure hoping that Robin, you are going to be there. It may not be a church. It may not be a school. It just may be a public outing. And so it's giving people opportunities to understand the laws, understand how to use a firearm, understand what to do if somebody gets injured. That's the key. If the, if, if everyone knew that faster saves lives, their main goal is to stop injuries, right? I mean, it's- 100%. To, to, and yeah. and and I think they get blocked with the firearms thing. Yeah. You Is know, that, and it's like I agree. You know, the firearms thing is a bonus, okay? Not only do I I can help this person who's injured, but I can stop other people from being injured as well. You said that that's so important. Dan, you've taken first aid training. I yeah. I know you have. And and you've probably because of the many businesses you've involved had it for your uh, employees as well. Here's something that I found. I found you go through this class with a teacher and they feel the weight of the gun. They're going, oh my goodness, I could stop the bad guy. I could also injure the wrong person if I'm not just as careful as I could be. Mm-hmm. And some of them talk themselves out of the program doing that, for at least for a minute. And my experience has been that the staff says, you're absolutely right. It is a lot to carry. We need people in the schools that will immediately help treat the injured. Please, you've started the first day part. Just keep going with the first day part. And as that becomes more realistic, more complex, as it's part of a scenario, oh, you just stopped the the attacker. Now let's treat the, they are sitting there pushing gauze into something that looks like a wound. It's a piece of latex rubber, but, you know, and we'll get people making noise. Oh, he's hurt too. So they introduce some chaos and confusion. And the wonderfully organized heart of this person goes, I'd do anything I could so that this wasn't my kids or my colleagues. And they yeah. often talk themselves right back into the program. They realize that's where they do belong. Right. So true. And you know, the other thing too is this, they're not fast for safe lives is not looking for people that are gung-ho want to save the world and that they're you know so they also they don't get the first person that wants to carry a gun at school and say okay you're qualified <laughs> and they also don't take a person that doesn't want to do a gun right. and say no to them right and so and and i haven't taken the faster save life course but i'll tell you from listening to what Cheryl says and what you say and everybody else, it's not easy. Mm-mm. And a lot of people fail. The, I, I, 
the uh, qualification in Ohio, I would take it just for fun. It's a 25 round, what is it now up to 30 maybe, um, 30 round qual. I kept taking it because I go, I can get, I can ace this. I can get the group so small. I can do it with style. Mm-hmm. Um, I did very well in Colorado. I found that very straightforward. I worked hard in Arizona and it pointed out some deficiencies in my firearms uh, practice. So I learned a lot from it. Yes, sir. That is fantastic to hear. And 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 that is the thing is that, um, let me just kind of go back. So Faster Saves Lives was born in Ohio, as you mentioned, uh, a decade ago, 10 years right. ago. We're sitting in the studio on uh, May 23rd of 2023. <laughs> so 10 right. years ago, this program was born and it's been quietly saving lives across the nation for all that time. Over 3,000 people have been certified right. in over 300 districts, school districts, across 22 states with zero derogatory incidents in all that time. Now, a derogatory incident, I'm talking about like, oh, a uh, negligent discharge by one of these teachers never happened, right? right. Somebody right. leaves their their uh, firearm on the tank of the toilet in the restroom never happened. So wait, you're saying there's been 300 schools that have endorsed this program. 300 districts. So it's even more schools that have endorsed this program. There hasn't been a single incident that, that we know of. Right. Well, now here's, we know mass murderers have attacked our schools. Right. They yes. do it every couple of months. It drives us, it infuriates us. Yes. And has a student ever been injured when they did an evacuation drill? Some kid may have fallen down. Right. You know what? I'll trade a skin knee yep. to prevent a bullet wound. Yeah. Um, if, if, if though there are risks to everything we do and yeah. if practicing this might result in people shoving and jostling to get through a door, I guess I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Well, and then, you know, there are the three components. I, I refer to them sort of as the before, the during, and the after. Yeah. So we want to teach greater situational awareness and, you know, figuring out, well, who might be a problem person and what can we do about that to just prevent the whole thing in the first place. Plus, every school that has not disarmed their teachers, right? Because everybody wants to turn it on its head and say they're arming teachers, right? But every school that has not disarmed their teachers, there's never been an attack because we carry ourselves different. We, uh, maybe our signage is different. So, so that's the before. The during is, okay, we've got somebody putting holes in people, whether it's with a knife, whether it's with a gun, yeah. whatever it is. So. Don't we want to stop that person from putting holes in people? Well, it could be a less lethal, um, you know, taser, whatever. But we teach firearms. And then there's the after. That's that packing the wound and how to put a tourniquet on properly so that we're um, saving lives until the EMTs can come. So if we've taught you all of it, And then you go to your district and your district says, well, I love the before and the after that during that one makes me nervous. You know, guns on our campus. Okay. You've still got to, you as a human being still have the training and you were taking that to your grocery store. 
to your household, to everywhere else you are. I cannot see the downside. There's, to I have program. to, I have to interrupt one thing. Okay. You sure. said there's a, there's a before, during, and after. There's a, a before a. There's another one. Mm -hmm. Having the sign on the school that says our teachers will defend our students mm -hmm. will probably stop all of that other stuff. Because where where has there been an incident where that they knew the teachers were armed? That's what I was saying. And right. And, and it's like never. the most recent yeah. one, that Christian school, right. the manifesto of the murderer indicated I was going to attack this other place, but they were too heavily Fortified. defended yeah. yeah and rob weigh in on all of that i yeah. i, I kind of gave you a lot to to work oh with no there. you you, uh, you i if all of your audiences as formed as informed as you are we would change the world so thank you for gun freedom radio mm. you're absolutely right where now it's not that we trained the teachers it's that we then told the public because you there is no way that you should hide this by making it public. Look, we have volunteer school staff who've taken high level training. We have people who will treat the injured. That's part of our public policy. Mass murderers feel like a failure. It turns out that when they attack a non, as you well phrase it, a place where we didn't disarm the teachers, just John Q public, not even trained teachers, the average guy on the street who happens to be carrying somebody attacks the shopping mall, we stop him over half the time. We prevent a mass murder. And a mass murder feels like a failure. He doesn't go there. He's not willing to roll those dice. He has this fantasy that he elaborates for years. He loves planning. He almost would rather plan than commit the act. So he chooses gun-free zones 99% of the time. Right. Why don't we learn from that, Rob? What is wrong with it? And just having an armed security guard at the front gate doesn't do it either because now they have a target to go in and now they have free reign. So it needs to be uh, the unknown. The there unknown. may be armed student uh, teachers in the classroom. Right. There may be armed personnel in the classroom. You, As a defender, I'm not certain I will stop the attacker. I might die trying. But that attacker is uncertain whether he will be successful. And that's what we needed to plant. We right. planted the seed of doubt in his mind and he goes somewhere else. Mm -hmm. um, it is amazing that we do as well as we do. And we haven't been tested. Well, we have been tested. We've used the medical training in shop class, in parking lot accidents. In So that part has come in. The the gauze, the the pressure bandages, we know that works. Um, again, unfortunately, it's nice to have it and not need it, but sometimes we have needed it. Yeah. That is that is so true. And again, like, how are you harmed by having the training and the tools that you're? Yeah, man. I mean, there are people that's been trained that have stopped mall shootings. There has been people trained to help law enforcement. We had a perfect example here where a citizen saved a police officer's life mm -hmm. by killing the person that was attacking attacking a police officer and it's like he had training you know yep. he had training yep. and so you know we may not see it in an exact classroom but we see it all over well all rob over. writes about this all the time 
And so why, Rob, I'm going to kind of toss that question back out there again. Why do we continually deny that responsibly armed citizens are part of the solution to stopping these murderers? Because the world mostly does not have your experience. You've mm -hmm. run small businesses. You're very active in your communities. You've seen your colleagues who run small businesses. You've seen them robbed. You've met them at the local business meeting. How'd the week go? Wow, that was a that was a bad event. You've had friends who have been robbed. I, I do. I don't and I don't consider myself a high risk individuals. But there are a lot of people who live very narrow lives. They live through the tiny screen. Mm. They have a small circle of friends. Mm. And I think we just described a lot of the people who are living in our urban centers. Mm -hmm. They don't get out much. They go to work, they come back. And for them, violence is a theoretical problem. And they've come up with this theoretical answer. Mm. But Rob, they are, they are the loudest voice too. That's the weird thing. Yes. They are the ones that are outspoken and they have no education on what they're speaking about. Right, right. If criminals so obeyed our gun laws, then see, I've just solved the whole problem, Dan. <laughs> if murder was illegal. Oh, well, wait, and, it is. And they don't know that there are 23,000 firearms laws already. They yeah. don't know that we defend ourselves millions of times a year. And you want to turn that off and leave us vulnerable? Right. So they're happy with the very small world they live in and the very small problems that make them feel comfortable. But look at Canada. Canada's doing great. They've outlawed. <laughs> you can't defend yourself in Canada anymore. It is against the law. Right. It is against the law to defend yourself in Canada. There's no provision okay. so, for that you know, in their gun laws, right? You yeah. can own a gun to go hunt, but don't you dare defend your life. Yeah, right. In, in theory, you have the right. In practice, in Canada, you don't. And there are people who have essentially proposed that for various cities in the United States. Have you seen the crime rates there? It is yeah. frightening. The good news is Gun Freedom Radio tells us what's working and what isn't. You're bringing the news to people who need to hear it. Thank you. Well, and thank, thank you. you because you're, uh, we tease each other, but really uh, you're the one that needs teased. You write five articles. You're probably writing one as we're speaking now. Somehow, some way, you're going to have two articles ready to roll out when we're done with this show. I had to let the keyboard <laughs> cool down during this. It's okay. It's um, you know, uh, we, we did hear something interesting. One of the students said it. They said, you know, these anti-gun activists, they say guns aren't the answer. And, and they're wearing a little red shirt. And I went, mm -hmm. you know, a rich billionaire paid for that. And that billionaire believes that guns are absolutely the answer to protect him and his mm -hmm. family. He, his kids don't go anywhere without armed security. Mm -hmm. But that's what he wants for us. So I'm willing to believe Michael Bloomberg, anti-gun donor extraordinaire, but I'm going to believe what he does, not what he says. Well said. Yeah. That's very well said. Um, and, you know, all the places, all the things that we do protect with, you know, dangerous people who are willing to be dangerous with firearms, right? Our money, mm -hmm. our jewelry, our, you know, whatever uh, and then we've got our innocent little babies that we send off to school and we give them a paper sign hanging in the window that says, guns are a no-no here. Right. What? What is wrong with us? Um, 
I, I think I described that. It's the, people live in a theoretical world and when they and they want to cling to an answer, they don't want to hold on. Let's back up another step. You've seen this lots of times. Because you're probably active in the business community, people come to you with, hey, I've got this idea for a business. And you go, okay, have you tried it? And they'd all rather play with it as an idea than put it in practice where it might fail. Right. Mm. A lot of anti-gun people are very careful that way. I've got this beautiful theory. Have you put it in practice and how did it work? And they don't want to look at the answer because it's frightening. It well, is. The, the Venezuela. Only, the only right. thing that the solution to this, if they want to really dream, is that there never was a gun invented. That's the only thing that, and that's what they believe. There's politicians that believe they can remove all the guns from Earth. And they can't. And that's what they, I, I don't get it. Um, they don't want, you brought it up. You said, oh, so really safe places like Venezuela and Mexico where ordinary citizens can't have a gun. And, and they just put their hands over their ears. La, la, la. I don't want to hear that. That's different. I go, no, that's exactly what you're proposing. Exactly. It's, yeah. it's madness. Well, um, but there are lots and lots of good people in the world and we i want to give them some credit i get to write about them so thank you for giving me that opportunity but we've got what is it 80 million gun owners in the united states they're all potential ambassadors and part of what you're doing and in this case cheryl you and dan far better than me you're teaching them how to be good ambassadors ambassadors to normalize firearms ownership how do we do that better? How do we scale that? Wow. How do we, yeah, how do we make scale? ourselves a force? You know what? I think you guys are the poster children for that. You're you. active in your community. You're active in your church. You, so, a, a colleague or a friend has a problem. Hey, can we help you with that? They respect you long before they find out you're a gun owner. Hmm. And then when, when they maybe go, you know, I'm having problems in my neighborhood. What did you, have you heard of this before? And they go, well, as a matter of fact, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you are already vetted in this person's mind because of your character. And then they listen to what you say. That's what we've been doing for generations. Keep it up. Go do it harder. It's funny, Rob, so, you brought up some. Uh, one of my neighbors is a teacher. They're both teachers. And um, they're not gun people. But right. they know that we are. And when Black Lives Matter was threatening to go through the rural neighborhoods, even in Arizona and, and start taking over the communities. I was outside and my neighbor came over and he says, Dan, uh, you're going to be around this weekend, right? And I go, well, why? He says, well, because there's going to be some trouble maybe. And I just want to know if you're going to be around and you have our back. Yeah. So, you know, That's the proof of the pudding right yeah. there. So, so, well, um, let's, let's, let's use this a little bit smaller paintbrush. Because you're right, in general, teachers are described as being more liberal than average. But, but, a beautiful but, when we ask them, would you be part of a organized, trained, defense, volunteer group that would protect your students and your colleagues, they said yes at a rate that was three times higher than the rate of concealed carry in the United States. Wow, that's awesome. Is it 90%? No. Is it even 50%? No. I don't need half the people armed at school. Right. I just need enough. Yeah. And, and you need the good chosen few. Right. 
they're there they're choosing themselves they're saying yeah that here's something else dan again this weekend and you've probably seen it have you ever met a teacher at a parent teacher conference who didn't call the the youngsters in the class my kids yeah right me either and we've seen teachers that have blocked bullets for kids right and and what the shame of that is that the proper training they would have been able to save themselves and the kids lives so you know you blocking bullets doesn't save the child if when you die they go after the kids still you know you just gave a temporary that's that was a fascinating aspect of this class you can want to charge in blindly but if you get killed who's going to save the kids right so you may have to endure the sound of one more gunshot while you sort out and figure out what to do that that tears at your heart that was an invaluable can i speak today invaluable part of the training you gave us thank you but you but also you look at the frustration when a school shooting is happening and there's 300 officers outside the school but they won't go in the building when there's parents that are trying to climb the fence to get into to save their children. Yep. So there is a there is a line that training will help. I agree, of when to go in and when not to go in, but there that's the hard part, you know. So we we did have a SWAT officer in the class as one of the instructors, and he said, "You do understand that most time when we show up and barricade somebody, if he's a dangerous criminal, he kills himself." Mm-hmm. We're usually not the one that does it. He said SWAT stands for sit, wait, and talk. Um, <laughs> That's terrible. We can't say that. That is he, terrible. He he said rec- that I can't say insult. it either, but I can report that a SWAT cop said it. <laughs> exactly. Wow, that, that's, that's terrible. Well, well and, it works in, some, in many situations. Mm-hmm. It's not the formula for what happens in our schools and churches. And the teachers have the, I mean, a trained teacher has an advantage because the, the police officers, you've got to give them credit, they're coming into a blind situation. They right. may not even know what the hallway looks like. Right. Where the teacher is familiar with the area, she can maybe tell by the sound where that's coming from. And so they have a tactical advantage. Just train them so that they can use it. Um, back in Ohio, I was talking with a group of teachers who were taking the advanced level of faster training. They've been organized for at least a year they train, they usually train with the local police because most of the police, it's their nightmare. Come, remember, it's the policemen's kids who are in school too. Yeah. Um, and when the policemen would act as aggressors on the school, the teachers often cleaned them up because the teachers knew every hidey hole. Yeah. The, they, they could slow them, yeah, slow them down, grind them up, so... Yeah. No, absolutely. So one of the challenges with Faster Saves Lives, uh, you and I have discussed off air, Rob, um, but I want to, I want to, you know, bring it to, to our audience is that so often, almost always the teachers that come and take this training, yes, it's important. Their anonymity is vital because just as Dan was saying, if everybody knows who the security guard is, then murderer comes into the scene, they're gonna that's gonna be the first person that they take out of the equation by shooting them, right? 
And so the teacher's anonymity is very powerful and important. How do you stay anonymous and also be a vocal advocate to help other schools understand the value that you got from the training? It, it's a tough nut for us to, tough puzzle for us to work. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to claim it's a, it's a terribly difficult puzzle. We create this, these superheroes and then throw an invisibility cloak over them. Um, if they could speak as often as they wanted, then I wouldn't have a job to write about them. So part of that's my fault. We need to write about them. Now, there is an advantage with church security mm -hmm. because they are not anonymous. They feel the same way as defenders. Mm -hmm. So they can help educate our culture by telling us about their experiences. Also, retired teachers can now talk about what they did. Mm -hmm. Even if the teachers were going to be open about what they saw and did, there are parts of it that they simply cannot talk about. And I was thinking about this. We analyzed how mass murderers had attempted to attack schools. They are very vulnerable, easily defeated, but on the air, I'm not going to tell you how, because I don't want someone to go build a better mass murderer. Right. So there is always this give and take. What I find is that when people tell about how they felt going through the training, people in the audience respond with their heart and they, they're speaking heart to heart. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, I just brought up a, a story just a couple of days ago. I heard on the news. You may have heard of it, Rob. A guy was hearing that his car was being broken into by several people. So he went outside with a gun and they, the robbers started shooting him. So he shot back and they left and the police came and they actually charged the homeowner with uh, in deck, in, in endangered recklessness or something like that because he told the police officers from what I heard in the story that he closed his eyes and shot. Wow. So it's like, so we're we're not saying do that. We're saying get training. Right. If he would have got training, he would have probably hit the target and, and he, not said that. And, or he may have not even fired the gun. Right. But right. you you know, so there I understand there's people out there that don't know anything about firearms saying we don't want a bunch of wild teachers with guns. Mm -hmm. But they don't they need to go deeper into it and understand the training, the the failures that happen in these training programs. They have to retake the class three or four times, but that shows heart. When a person retakes the class three or four times, you know he really or she really wants to do this. She really, he really wants to do it. Um, this is performance training. It's not, um, there's something called institutional training. We can document that we told you what you should have done. We never backed up to measure your skills, perhaps week, weeks after you, we told you about it. Here we're measuring what they do. Dan, there's something fantastic about it. Some of these educators, we'll call them armed staff, are pushing themselves so hard because they want to find out where they fail. Mm -hmm. Out in the desert, shooting a mountain is the great place to find out when your shots go wild. How fast can I go? Well, okay, that takes a lot out of you. Okay, dial it back a little bit, pass the test. You know, if they have to, if they're pushing right on the edge because they really are learning so much, even in the test, 
I can understand that. I don't feel bad about them taking it again. Right. No, no, not yeah. at all. That, I mean, it is that servant's heart, that humility to understand that you're right. You know, you can always do better. That's exactly who we're looking for. Well, you don't want a guy with a bunch of ego that says, "Ah, oh, you know, I didn't pass a class, but I'm good enough. I don't need to go any further." You got to You got, you have to be able to be humble, and you right. have to, you know, you have. What is the goal? The goal is to save the children. Well, if the goal is to save the children, and I have to fire a gun in a classroom, then I need to make sure that I hit the target, Can't and that I understand to. what's going on. So, you know, if I'm humiliated, okay. Right. right. That's the place to be humiliated right. is well, in training. <laughs> no, let's be clear. Nobody humiliated them. They said, what's happening? And they said, almost to a man, you've taught me what to do. You, I already knew it. You've reminded me, but I'm struggling to put it all together under the pressure of time. You know, that given enough true. time, you can put the pieces together. But it, that's more than just extra seconds to shoot. It's days to internalize it. Right. And that's the advantage of these volunteer staff members. They're gonna yeah. go back, they're gonna train each other, they're gonna coach each other. Because, yeah. wait a minute, if they had troubles in the classroom, they'd talk to each other. As armed defenders, they're gonna to continue to do that in their school. Right. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. And, um, you know, I do wanna also talk about the caliber of trainer that FASTER brings in. Right. Um, I mean, it was designed by a man named John Benner he right. was he was the guy that taught SROs, school resource officers, right? The the medical piece was um, designed by uh, somebody that's an award winner in disaster emergency medicine in the most unpredictable situations imaginable. Uh, this person, you know, learned how to to put emergency medical kits together and and the training to pass that along to other people, to laymen. And then you you do have the firearms piece. And we were so blessed this weekend. We had uh, somebody at the very top of their um, profession, Chris Serino. Right. Yeah. Right. These are, these are people who have trained law enforcement. They've trained federal law enforcement. They may have trained federal air marshals. Now, here's what's true there as well. They're getting feedback from all that group. It's not just, this is my opinion of what they need. They're giving me feedback from the field about what works. So we're standing on the shoulders of millions of people who've used a gun in armed defense. And we're refining that and going, okay, this is how we're going to teach better next time. Pretty Absolutely. valuable. Absolutely. And then, of course, Sean Padden and his wife, Jen, uh, from Ohio, they came out as well. They are incredible I mean, you talk servant's heart. These people, yes. it emanates off of them. Here locally, we have David Laird, who yep. is um, just a professional's professional. I He's the vice president of, of the foundation, the AZCDL Foundation. I'm the president. And it is our mission to, to bring faster and continue to grow it here in our state. And um, I just can't say enough about the skill level they have and the heart set that they have, that they um, they are really doing this for the right reasons and from the right place. You brought something up and I was thinking about it. There are some teachers who don't wanna work in an environment where there may be armed defenders. Okay. There are some parents who don't want their students 
their children in a, a classroom where there might be an armed defender. All of them want all the faculty, all the staff, any adult on campus to defend their child. They certainly want the medical part. Mm -hmm. So I'm imagining that you have to go to a teacher. Are you willing to get your hands dirty if a child was injured? Or are you going to back up and say, I don't have rubber gloves? Um, so we are testing a servant's heart because sometimes protecting lives is messy. It's true. That's true. Um, that was an excellent point. We are starting to run tight on time. I always okay. feel like I could take hours. Why do you do that all the time? <laughs> what, run out of time? Yes. Let's blame the clock. Because, because there's things that, you know, you talk about, like, you know, if you saw an accident, mm -hmm. you you wouldn't go get your rubber gloves. You would go help that person. Mm -hmm. I, at least I would. I'd go help right. that person. And, um, you know, it just... It's just, you just help them. That's what we are supposed to do. And as a teacher who says they're their children, right? They want to help. Let's and teach yeah. them how to help. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, exactly what I was going to say. What if I want to help? And then I'm like, I, I don't know how to use that thing on the wall to, you know, like AED, they've had a heart right? attack. Right. right. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I wish somebody would have taught me how to do that. You know, somebody's bleeding out. I, I've seen on TV, they tie a, a tourniquet or a cord or a necktie or something. I wish I really knew what I was doing. Well. At Faster yeah. Saves Lives, we teach you. And the yeah. and one other thing I want to bring up, and I know we're running out of time, but so training, you know, what does training do? That training puts you in a position that when things are chaotic, that your mind goes to a certain part of your brain that says, here's what you do. And everything else is blocked out. I was arm robbed when I was about 21. Wow. And I did terrible. I, I was okay. I didn't shoot anybody, but I I went to the extent of my training because I blacked out. I mean, I was, it wasn't like I blacked out, but my focus was what I had learned in the past to do what I needed to do. If I would have been trained more, then I would have done a better job at what I did. So that's why it's important because your brain, you know, it's not like, oh, uh, Maybe if, you know, there's a shooting today, I'll get up and do this. No, your your brain locks everything away and just goes to the extent of training that you have. And, right? and really what you've practiced. Yeah. 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 And they have a phrase for that that they use a lot in faster. They say the body will not go where the mind has not been. And, you know, I, I always want to say it the other way. The mind will not go where the body has not been. So I think there is that that synergistic thing, you know, right. if you, if you, and there is that force on force, um, simulated firearms training that we do in the school or the church that, um, the, the people, the team is from that wants to get this training so that it's as realistic. We are like inoculating them with as realistic of scenarios as possible. Um, you know, we've got people down and injured, they're moaning, they're crying, people are screaming, because uh, that is what's really going to happen, right? Yeah. And um, then we train them, okay, what do you do, as Dan says, so they don't blank out, or, you know, I know you didn't, I didn't blank blank, no. out, you didn't No, it's just, out. my mind went to just what I was trained, as far as I was trained. Yeah, right. so important. 
So Rob, we, we do need to start uh, wrapping up and, and there's so many more questions here that I, I wanted to unpack, but um, you know, we, our messaging, our side of this whole conversation, the, the side that values our freedoms, the side that values saving lives and, and, you know, the, the actual practical business of doing it, our messaging is obviously not as good as the other side that hates our freedoms and, and, you know, that sort of thing. Are there tips and tricks and tactics that they're using that maybe we can appropriate to help move that needle? They're pointing out where guns have caused harm. We, if you never knew that guns save millions of lives, you're at a disadvantage. So you don't have to become a, a geek like I am. Welcome to it. We need more geeks. But just a little bit of knowledge. Can you? Because you have to be able to defend the virtue of armed defense. Guns kill thousands. Yeah, but guns save millions. Which one is bigger? So, um, and the other part is you're going to have to listen. Guns say guns kill people. Yeah, and that feels horrible, doesn't it? Okay. I've found people who've defended themselves and stopped violent criminals. I think that's pretty wonderful. I don't want them to be disarmed. So it is an uncomfortable conversation and we can learn to have it. It takes, you got to grow up a little bit. I get it. Yeah. No, that's, that's so well said. And I wrote well, that down. They kill thousands, but save millions. That right there. That's a bumper sticker. But, but we have, why are we it, not using it? It is, but we have, okay. So somebody gets shot with a gun, they have the blood. They have the injury. They have the gun. When a person saves a life, stops a crime, what do you have to show it? I, well, show me the show me the blood. Show me the. There's nothing. I stopped it. It right. didn't happen. Right? right. Yeah. So you and I, you and I think we should make a giant, uh, huge, uh, in perpetuity monetary fund every time a defender does something right. I don't know. We'll send him a chocolate cake and a and a bottle of champagne. Congrat! We got to celebrate somehow. Just mention it on the news. Let's use both sides. Let's give the American people the both sides of the story, Tell not just sides. the bloody side, the the good side where this man saved somebody's life. Or that's what we don't do, and that's the terrible part. Their their voice is loud because the media is. He's giving them the mic megaphone. You're absolutely right. 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 Yes, sir. Well, apparently yeah. advertisers don't want those stories told or they would be shelling out the gajillions of dollars. Right. You know, well, on the other hand, you're on social media. So am I. It's hard to stop the signal. That's true. You know, and that's the thing, too, is that the news media has controlled the everything for years. These blogs, these podcasts, it's it's new compared yeah. to the history of news this is new yeah. and we are growing and our voices yeah. are becoming to be heard it's a slow process it takes time but we are being heard kind of like slow facts so facts. Yeah. Oh, i saw what you did there <laughs> well rob speaking of that um tell folks how they can continue to learn from you to read the work that you put together um, and follow all that you do. I host the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. It comes out once a week. I try and make it just a 20-minute snack food. 
I'm a regular co-host on the Polite Society podcast. That runs 90 minutes. For a bunch of guys, it's hard to stop. Again, once a week. And then for the last 10 years, I've been writing at the Slow Facts blog. There are 2,100 articles waiting there. It'll take you a minute. My writing is picked up at Clash Daily and at OpsLens. I write the armed citizens columns at Amoland. Fantastic. Well, it's so valuable, the work that you're doing. It keeps me informed and encouraged and engaged, and um, it's invaluable. So thank you for all that you do. Proud to have you as a friend. Proud to have you as a friend, Rob. Thank you very much for everything you do. All right. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you, Rob. Bye-bye. Rob Morse. Yep. Another one that's been everywhere and done everything. And, you know, a guy that takes a class three or four times Mm -hmm. just so that he can communicate to the public Mm -hmm. accurately Mm -hmm. of what it means to be. And he's certified each time. It's not like he's retaking it because he he didn't get certified. But responsibly armed citizen, he is putting that voice out there that here's what you do to become a, you know, responsible. Oh, for sure. And it's that that first person perspective, the Mm -hmm. people that he meets, the teachers, the pastors, the business people that have taken uh, these classes alongside him, the trainers themselves. Um, You know, I, I know that, that Rob is enriched by those interactions and it helps fuel um, his work and how he does it. And it's just an incredible thing. Rob is one of the first people that um in in advocacy that i met at that very first gun rights policy conference that was here in arizona mm-hmm. um we had just started the show and um the second amendment foundation puts on the gun rights policy conference the grpc they invited me to be a speaker i was blown away why why what do i have to say and yet they they said, we think you have a lot to say. So that encouraged me by being in front of the room speaking. Uh, then Rob came up to me after and wanted to know more about me and encouraged the work that we do together. And um, it, it's just been a tremendous friendship and relationship. And um, I, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine a, a better kind of uh, industry, I don't know, or I'm not sure community for, for us to have embarked into because it has been welcoming open doors every once in a while, you find somebody with a little bit of an ego issue, but it's so rare. Right. And, and the thing is that he's probably influenced us to do more. Absolutely. Mostly people are like giving wind under your wings. Like they want to encourage you to do more. And, 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 he introduced me to some amazing people that those relationships are still continuing to, you know, grow and, and bring. Not worried that he's going to, that you're going to outshine or no, no, you know, that's the cool thing about this is that everybody wants you to do better because somebody might not listen to the slow fat, uh, to the podcast that he does, but they listen to ours. And so, right. So we need a lot of voices out there. That, that, um, armed citizen, uh, podcast let me say it right let me call it the right thing it is self-defense gun stories podcast that is an eye-opener because those are the stories that if you do hear about them they're like this tiny little blurb in the news and they're gone yeah they're gone yeah 
um, because it was the good guy with the gun yeah. wins, even if the good guy never even had to discharge the firearm. Right. Just having it and the training and the stature. Anyway, I can't say enough about Rob, his wife, Jen, um, and the work that they do. All right. We've got to start wrapping up. Thank well, let's you. thank our listeners. Absolutely. And our guest, Rob Morse, uh, to our amazing listeners. Where do we have listeners, Dan? Everywhere. Everywhere. Wherever there's internet service on this planet, we have people hungry for this information. Even in uh, countries that don't allow. Maybe yeah, that, especially. That, that, well, where, I live somewhere where they don't allow me. Allow. Allow. You. Yes. What a word. I'm not yeah. allowed to defend my life, like in Canada. Ew. Were they married or something? What? Oh. Are they... <laughs> it took, like what? <laughs> um, but yeah, so thank you to our amazing listeners. Uh, the fact that you are tuning in, that's what takes these conversations and gives them wings and gives them long legs because you take them around your dinner tables and your carpools and, and you unpack them with your sphere of influence. I cannot appreciate that enough. Thank you yeah. so much. If you um, want to rewatch this episode or any of our videos, how would I do that? Go to Ops Lens, as Rob said, that's an app on your smartphone, to YouTube, to gunstreamer.com, wherever you find your video content. And when you get there, please click the subscribe and the notification button because then you'll get immediate notice when we put new content up, but more importantly i think they'll get noticed yes it tells those platforms this is important information that you want and hopefully will be a buffer against us being um silenced and canceled um in this crazy world that we're in right now where the first amendment is under attack as much as our second uh if you want to listen to the audio only version go to our website gunfreedomradio.com click the on demand and what tab could you do Listen to your heart's content, darling. I do a better of you than you do a better of you. Okay, you go. And Binge listens to your heart content, darling. <laughs> so so you, I do you better than you do you. I, I think, I think, yeah, that should just be your line from now on. Mm. But it feels good to say it once in a while. I think people at home are saying, Binge listen to your heart's content. We have no. a good friend named John Petrolino who's a a prolific writer in the second amendment space. And every time he sees us, he goes, darling. And it's because of that line. I love it. Um, if you, uh, what, what else did I learn? Oh, if you want to see about our guests, if you want to see photos and bios and links to all of their work, click the guest tab. There's a huge resource of, of subject matter experts there. That's constantly hundreds of them. Seriously. And when you spend time there, we don't hate that. All right. Until next time. We're going to pray for our nation. Pray for our leaders. Pray for everybody. Just have a big old pray day. Big old pray day. And uh, until next time, be good to each other. Have a great week. And God bless. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.